You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Happy Thursday to everybody, especially everyone in the chat right now, the Pewter people that are kind enough to take some time out of their day to watch this show, the Pewter Report podcast. Today's title of the episode is that the Bucks are a rare favorite against the Chicago Bears. Not too often the Bucs are going to be a favorite, but this week they are with a great opportunity to start out 2-0. Later on on today's show, we're going to have Bears writer Jacob Infante on the show. He writes for Windy City Gridiron um, on SB Nation. But with me at the moment, my fellow colleague from PewterReport.com that I am equally, if not even more, happy to have on the show. We call him B.A. We call him Bad Bailey in a good way. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is Bailey Adams from PewterReport.com. Bailey, how's it going, man? Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm doing well. Uh, I feel like work weeks are a little bit easier when it's football season because you've got I mean, you've got college to look forward to. Sometimes and you've got a yes. Thursday night game. Where you get to the Thursday night game, you're like, all right, Thursday night, we have one more day of work, then it's football weekend again. It's a, it's a good feeling. It very much is. And now that there's football every single night, you know, obviously the Vikings and the Eagles. I mean, this is an important game for Bucks fans to watch, even though the Bucs aren't even involved because they literally just played the Vikings. And I'm intrigued to see how Minnesota improves or plays even worse after playing against the Bucs. And then obviously – Tampa Bay plays against Philadelphia next week in that Monday night football game. So a lot of excitement for the Bucs right now, obviously with that 1-0 start and what feels like a very winnable game going up against the Chicago Bears. And again, we'll have Jacob Infante on the show later on. We'll swap out Bailey uh, for Jacob. But Bailey, just going into this game, um, you know, we, we all watched the first one. You had a great game recap and other articles at pewterreport.com. We don't have to look too too much into the rearview mirror with what happened against the Vikings, but moving on to this week, where's your head's at head at with this team? Do you feel good about the Bucs going against Chicago? What do you want to see fixed, change? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, I feel good. I, I think um, I think it was Bruce Arians that I actually used to say that you know it's always good to learn from a win. Um, yeah, you know when when you have a room to improve, but you still won the game, it's a really good thing. And I think that's where the Bucs are. You know, they went week one didn't have their best performance, didn't look so good early on, but 
did enough, fought hard to the end, and you know won the turnover battle three nothing. Got a big kick from Chase McLaughlin. I mean, they made the plays when they needed to, um, and so when you can kind of grind out a win like that on the road, it's a huge deal. And then you come back home for uh, for a favorable matchup against Chicago, and you've got to feel good about your chances to get to two and zero. No question about it. And I think that's even more, uh, as Foxy Rose says, we need to blow out Chicago. I think that's even <laughs> more about what Chicago did in their game against Green Bay than it necessarily says about the the Buccaneers and how they defeated the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, there's been a big topic of discussion with this man, Rashad White, and the overall running game. Are, do you have concerns about Rashad White? Um, I wouldn't say I do yet. I mean, I, I think he wasn't at his best in week one. I think he left a lot of yards out there. Um, and I think there was actually, I forget who, who put it out there on Twitter, but there was a metric or some kind of metrics that showed just how many yards he did leave out there because he wasn't hitting a hole quick enough and, and wasn't finding the space that he needed to. But kind of listening to Dave Canales talk today kind of sounded like one of those things where, yeah, they expect the running backs, including Rashad White, to, to find those holes and, and to look a little bit more explosive as, as the weeks go on, kind of getting used to, more, more used to that wide zone and the, uh, the zone blocking scheme uh, that they're seeing now this year. Yeah, some uh, good questions from everybody in the chat. Some good conversation uh, as well. San Anto Gatto says, they did enough or did they figure out the Vikings? I would say they did enough. I mean, the Bucks defense, I think it's a good question, even though I said we're not going to look back in the rearview mirror. We'll answer this question because uh, we love the Peter people. I don't think they figured out the Vikings. Again, the Bucs only scored 20 points, and three of those came off of the strip sack from Antoine Winfield Jr., and seven of those came off of the Vikings lining up offsides on a field goal. So offensively, I don't think they figured them out. Defensively, while I thought they were fantastic, they weren't perfect, and the Vikings had a fair amount of drives where they got in their own way, and it led to turnovers, and that was the biggest difference in the game. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the whole signals thing. And, and Baker had a great, great sound clip yesterday. But I think if if there was a lot of truth or if it was really something as simple as the Bucs figured out what the Vikings were doing, I think they would have scored more than 20 points. I would hope so anyway. I hope it would have been a little bit more of a comfortable win and not relying on a 57-yard field goal to get the job done. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that they did. They made enough plays and, and – Got a big stop there at the end, and then ran out ran out the clock with the last four minutes. And good to get back home with a, with a one and zero record. Bailey, I cannot reiterate enough how much of a stir the comments by Baker Mayfield mentioning the Houston Astros has caused. I posted it on Pew Reports Twitter. I posted it on my Twitter. There is so much back and forth between Astros fans calling Baker a loser, and that's why he's been around the league so many different places and why he doesn't have a ring and so many texas rangers fans and probably just people in general that hate the astros that are like that's my qb <laughs> that's my guy let's i still have the video in, in our uh in, in the docket here so let's just play it's an eight second video i might even play it twice i know i'm in tampa but i'm a texas rangers fan not a houston astros fan so we're not going to condone that <laughs> <laughs> One more time for the people. I know I'm in Tampa, but I'm a Texas Rangers fan, not a Houston Astros fan, so we're not going to condone that. <laughs> Love that from Baker Mayfield. He is a uh, very polarizing. He's definitely – the Bucs have had their string of polarizing quarterbacks from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. 
and you can kind of say this about all three, but Baker in particular, because we're in the moment, you either love Baker Mayfield or you despise Baker Mayfield. There's really no in-between for him. Yeah, I think it's kind of been that way for a lot of his career, even going back to college. It's been something that he, um, he's been a polarizing guy, even with some of his antics at Oklahoma and yeah. into the league. And um, it's just kind of been that way with him. And I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was a great comment. I thought that, I mean, Astros fans seem to be a salty bunch. They're a little sensitive about that subject, but uh, I, I thought it was a great way to handle it by him. Yeah, it was so funny. And I think that's only kind of the the beginning of Baker. I mean, especially if they're winning. I, I'm not saying Baker's going to get too cocky and he's going to be, you know, I declare we're going to win and we're going to win the NFC South and all these different things are going to happen. Um, but we did mention the run game before. I, I think he'll be confident, but not too cocky. That chip on his shoulder type of uh, Baker Mayfield that we've come to know. But we did talk about the run game before. Uh, Dave Canales did speak today, and he, he got asked about the run game. And I thought his answer was really, really interesting in terms of, yeah, some people were freaking out, not the right word, but some people obviously were concerned about what went on. And um, this was what he had to say about the the run game, the efficiency of the run game, which Dave Canales was actually a fan of. Run efficiency is four yards or better. So we were our goal is 50%. We were 52% efficiency in the run game. So I'm fired up about that. Um, I don't think we had any negative runs. We might've had maybe one. We had one negative run. So, and and the goal is zero negative runs, you know, but like it's not uncommon in a zone scheme to have three or four. So I come out of it, we're sitting there as a staff saying, hey, 52% efficiency guys, that means we blocked everything right. That means we got the running back started. And now's where the volume the experience, Rashad, getting those runs, seeing where those second level voids are, Sean, Chase, you know, really being able to like make it happen after the first level. Mm -hmm. um, so I was excited about it. And then just to be able to get into a four minute mode and run it, throw it a little bit, and then run it again at the end uh, to take over the time possession. I thought the run game was, was fine. Uh, a little bit of a te technical difficulty with uh, Bailey's computer at the moment so bailey has left for a bit but you know we'll just get right back into the dave canales conversation i mean it was so funny seeing him just uh like as soon as he got on he was like oh like i'm so excited our, our third play downs are gonna, the, the plays that we called on, on third down were are gonna be great so um he's pumped up that's why we call him the human celsius uh, let's get to another video from dave canales Race Thursday. This is like the big hump day for us. The plan kind of starts to build up a little bit. How are we doing? What do we got? Good. Stay fired up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, excited. We got some cool stuff coming on third down. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm just excited to be able to play with our full first group, you know, and really get those valuable reps. A two minute before the half, um, finishing the game in four minutes. So, you know, those situations, you don't all the time get a two minute situation in a game. You don't always get a four-minute situation. So that was good teachable stuff on film. Um, and I think for me, it was, it was really good to just feel the guys on the sideline. And the biggest comment I'll make is, like, this feels like a winning team. You know, this is, again, I said it before, but, like, there's a championship in the rearview mirrors. There's a lot of guys who were on that team. There was no panic early on, even with the slow start. The guys were just calm. They were like, okay, let's fix some stuff. Let's sit down, keep working, and then... We just went on to the next drive, and it kind of stayed like that for a while um, as we figured things out. 
So that's Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales. And you heard him say it in the video, and I think that's going to be important for not just Sunday's game or last Sunday's game, but I, I think it's going to be important for the whole season is that you can't worry about one or two different uh, mistakes that this team is, is going to have, or you can't worry about some of the three and outs that's going on with this team because those ebbs and flows are going to happen. But if you just stick and stay the course, it can take you a long way. And I think some of it has to do with his upbeat personality. Um, sorry, just trying to get some things coordinated here. I think a lot of that has to do with his personality and just the way that he resonates with the other players and, and things of that nature. A lot of people really rally around Dave Canales and, you know, we put this video all over the place on Instagram and and uh, different platforms. And someone on Instagram commented that Pete Carroll, the Seahawks coach, who obviously Dave Canales learned from a, a great deal during his time in Seattle, you really see the Pete Carroll-ness uh, in Dave Canales when he goes up to the podium and things of that nature. So I, I, I thought that was a really great comment that I saw on Pewter Report's Instagram. By the way, if you want to follow us on our social media, we're always churning out the com content on all of our social media, especially Instagram and YouTube as well. We are at Pewter Report on X, formerly known as Twitter, Threads, Facebook, and Instagram. That's all at Pewter Report. And of course, our YouTube TV channel is Pewter Report TV. So please Follow us and like and subscribe. Want to get to a couple other videos from Dave Canales as we uh, wait for Bailey to get back into it. Um, Canales, another thing that I really enjoy about him is that he has a great mix of like, you can clearly tell the passion and appreciation that he has for the game of football. Uh, but he's also very lighthearted. And while he's serious about, winning games and the NFL and making the right play. He also doesn't take himself too seriously. So, you know, that first game for the Vikings was his first ever NFL game that he was calling plays as an offensive coordinator. And it really could not have gone worse in that first quarter. So he kind of poked a little fun at himself about the, the struggles that the Bucks offense had in that first quarter with also pointing out that Brian Flores is a great defensive coordinator. So I, I personally think this Bucks offense is going to be so, so much better in week two. But let's get some more from Dave Canales. I'm looking at the call sheet like, whose plays are these? These <laughs> suck. Did somebody switch my call sheet out? No. I, uh, for me, it was like, uh, it was really cool for me just to go against a guy like Brian Flores. Um, his reputation, he made it hard. He made it really difficult on us. He knew what I was trying to get done systematically, um, but we have answers and we have tool belts, things that we've worked on for years in Seattle that we carried here. Baker and the guys mastered it beautifully um, and picked up a lot of good information and made adjustments, you know, at the half. And I say that, but if Cage catches his seam route, right, they knocked that ball out. I should have went faster to, to, so they couldn't review it. I didn't. Um, we make that catch. We had an incompletion. I thought there was a, an easy completion on the first play of the game. The second one, he was hot, but we're two completions away from just kind of getting Go a on. couple of drives started. Yeah. Then he probably still gives us problems somewhere in there. But, um, you know, we missed, uh, we missed Cole on the seam for the touchdown there. You know, the throw was just a little bit high. Yeah. 
So those three balls right there, we're telling a different story about that first. So that's where we just can't panic. And, you know, I watch all the games. Some of them started really rough, just like ours. Some of the guys came out, I watched the Seahawks game, they come out just firing on all cylinders, you know, and, um, and you just can't decide the game in the first quarter. So we just kind of stay the course. Which I think that's a good point from Dave Canales as well. You know, you had the, the big throw down the seams to Kate Otten where he got hit. He caught it in stride and got hit, and that caused the uh, incomplete pass. Coke keep dropped one as well, and the deep ball to Mike Evans. So sometimes it doesn't always tell the story when you have all of those different three, uh, three and outs. So um, I think that's important to pay attention to as well. The last video I want to talk about with Dave Canales who, again, is so much fun every single time that he's up at the podium discussing the Buccaneers, is what he wishes he did better as offensive coordinator in his first game. And that was understanding what the defense was doing and attacking it quicker. He actually gave a big shout-out to friend of the program, Brad Isaac. Well, Dave Canales is a friend of the program as well. Um, but he gave a lot of credit to Brad Isaac, the wide receivers coach, for identifying that the Vikings were running cover two and then coming up with the plays to attack that cover two type of defense. I think that's something that this week, especially with the Bears having some tape on the Bears, and he spoke about them, he'll be able to see what Chicago's doing a little bit earlier, and you'll see that much more efficiency quicker in the game than before waiting to the second half get to my cover two answers um they threw that out there a few times and then um we got answers built into each place but we have plays specifically designed to attack something and i was just like you know he just kind of kept showing cover zero all out blitz we had a great plan for that so nfl defenses watch the film i wouldn't do it and uh <laughs> but the cover two stuff you know it was like okay and then brad idzik did a fantastic job he's like hey it's two and so then we just so they wanted to keep showing zero, and then you would get into the protections, and clocks run down. Now they jump out of it, and they're going yeah. And, and by the, we ended up just stealing a couple first downs because they did that. Yeah. So he's just trying to take away the explosive element, which they did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, get to my cover two beater sooner. Brad yelled at me. That was good. <laughs> We're good like that. I lived with him in the off season, so he's allowed to do that. You know, yell at my kids too. Um, <laughs> anyway, that. Want to get to some comments as well as Matt. Halloran says, not too often, it's literally week two, um, talking about uh, the Bucs being the favorite. Other, Matt, what I'm trying to get at is, if you look at the Bucs schedule this season, most of the time, whether it's from a gambling aspect or just looking at head-to-head, -head, most of the time they are going to be the underdog. Obviously, they're the favorite this week against the uh, against the Chicago Bears, but like next week against the Eagles, there's no chance that the Bucs are going to be the favorite. The following week against the Saints, it's a road game, so they're probably going to have it in favor of the Saints. Then they play the Lions coming back from uh, their bye week, and of course that's the creamsicle game. So the, uh, the Lions looked great against the Kansas City Chiefs. They're probably going to be a favorite there. Falcons, they probably could be a favorite against Atlanta, but then you play the Bills, and the Bills are going to be the favorite in that one. So that's pretty much all I'm trying to get at, is that they're not going to be the favorite for uh, too much of – the season uh looks like bailey's technical difficulties are uh really limiting him from coming back but that's okay because we have jacob infante coming on the show in a little bit i, ho I hope i'm pronouncing his last name right i guess we'll find out 
when he gets on the show. Now Bailey might be back. We'll, we'll find out in a little bit. In the meantime, did want to answer another uh, question. By the way, if you want to super chat us, we'll get to your question right away. But uh, Darius Miller says, my concerns are how many games are going to require that kind of moxie and is it sustainable from a health standpoint? Um, I don't like seeing a guy with a shoulder injury history uh, bang himself up too much. So you're talking about Baker Mayfield in this situation. And Darius, that's a very, very reasonable and well-thought-out concern because obviously that's what hurt Baker in the past. He had that rotator cuff injury. I mean, he smacks his head against the offensive lineman to you know hype himself up and hype the team up in, in previ- previous occasions. So Baker is susceptible to being hurt. And it was funny because Todd Bowles talked about it yesterday and so did Baker Mayfield that Baker is a quarterback that plays like an offensive lineman. And I think that was best on display when he had that nasty stiff arm that got him the angry runs. When he got tackled pretty hard by the sideline and got the first down. Baker's just the type of guy that is always going to take that little extra hit, but he's going to fight for that extra yard every single time, which is a which is a uh, benefit of it. So you kind of got to take the good with the bad. Uh, But speaking of good, we got a super chat from Gino Sisson, a 599 super chat. And Gino says, I'm always worried when the Bucs are favored. I think it's a valid worry, Gino, but I think in the past, the Bucs were heavily crazy favored, you know, with Tom Brady and, oh, this team should absolutely dominate the Chicago Bears. But with this year's team, with what they kind of bring to the table and how expectations, at least outside, are much lower than what Tampa Bay actually thinks of themselves, I think this is a true, true opportunity to really prove a lot of the doubters wrong, even though they should win this game. And that's why I keep harping back on if the Bucs can have the type of game where it's a blowout, it's not even close, especially getting into the fourth quarter, I think that can be a big difference for this team. And Bailey Adams is back on with us. The technical difficulties are no more. Bailey, you've been watching this Bucks team for a very long time. And in the past, sometimes when they're a big favorite, most notably that Thursday night game against the, the Bears a couple seasons ago, sometimes they can kind of trip over their own feet and play down to the competition. I think that uh, primetime game against the Giants a couple seasons ago where it almost went into overtime, but Antoine Winfield Jr. made the big play. Uh, just another example. But this year, this Bucks team, they don't have that luxury at all. Like, no one really is going to think they're going to steamroll any other team out there. So while, yes, a lot of people are picking them to beat the Bears this week, they cannot rest by any means. Like, they have to up the ante probably even more for some of the deficiencies that they've already had. Yeah, I would think so. I'd say they're almost like reactionary favorites. I'm pretty sure at, at one time they were underdogs in this game. And then the results of last Sunday kind of flipped that. And they're still only slight favorites. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's one of those things where you, I understand the worry of, oh, the Bucks are favored. They're definitely, you know, something's going to yeah. go wrong. What, like, what could possibly go right in this situation? But they, they've had those games in the past. But, you know, this is kind of a test in, in this same way where where most of the season they can kind of take they're gonna take but i think this is a week where they can say hey can we live up to the expectations of this week where this is a bears team that wasn't good last year they're they struggled week one we're expected to beat them can we go out there and take care of business and 
I think right now, all things considered, they probably they probably can do that. And we have a 1999 super chat from our guy Adam Hamilton. Adam, oh, Adam. you are the man. All of our pewter people. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply are the best but adam with this super chat uh you're up the, the the pecking order just a little bit on this week's power rankings of pewter people um adam says i feel like this team may be like that 2010 team gritty and tough parentheses younger even and win some games we may not supposed to win they kind of did that in week one if baker keeps playing smart and the defense plays up to their talent level watch out thoughts Bailey I'll let you uh handle this you can start off with this one there's two ways to approach this I mean you kind of hope that this is a team like that where yeah maybe they do win some of these games they go down to the wire and and come out and escape with a victory and they won 10 games that year so you know they didn't make the playoffs but they won 10 games and were just on the bubble of the playoffs and you like to think 10 wins should probably win you the division this year in the NFC South um, but the other thing is you kind of hope that if they are like that, that they kind of sustain it because we talked about it with the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings were 11 and 0 in one score games last year, and that's just not sustainable. That's not something they can repeat. And that 2010 Bucks team didn't repeat that. I mean, it, yeah. it was something where they, they did not, it was just kind of a flash in the pan year where everything broke the right way and they didn't even get a chance to capitalize on it because they missed the playoffs because of tiebreakers and all that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there is some of that kind of spirit in this team because they are a young team. They're they're kind of taking on that underdog mentality. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it works out for them. I mean, I don't want to get overly uh, – I don't want to analyze it too deep after one game and kind of see some more games before we get into, you know, characterizing this team. But I see right. I see some of that that uh, Adam's talking about. Yeah, I just think this defense is going to be able to keep the Bucks in every single game. So while the offense struggles early on, like I, I think, I think the Monday night game against the Eagles, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but like that Monday night game against the Eagles, I think is going to be another kind of like, as the saying goes, it ain't pretty, but it's gritty, or whatever, <laughs> whatever the saying was. But as long as you win gritty, it doesn't matter. It could be as ugly as you want; it still goes in as a win. For the team. So if the defense can kind of keep things going, keep things afloat for early on in the season, so be it. And that's how you end up stealing a couple of games is if the defense can kind of dominate and take over or at least put yourself in a position to keep it close at the end, which they obviously did with the Bucks getting it together on offense in the second half. So I think that's obviously super important. And a lot of this early on, like we said, is going to ride on the defense. And that's what makes this injury report a little bit concerning specifically with cornerback Carlton Davis. So the Bucks injury report just came out about right around when the show started. And for the second day in a row, Carlton Davis did not participate with a toe injury. That's the second day in a row. He didn't practice. Um, Servasier Dennis is a new addition to the injury report. He was limited with a hamstring injury. The good news though, is Christian Izian, who was in concussion protocol, he was upgraded to limited participation. He was wearing a black non-contact jersey. Um, 
obviously that's self-explanatory. So I think he has a pretty solid chance to play. Uh, Kalisha Kansi did not participate again, so we'll see what's up with him. And Baker fully participated with that right shoulder. And then real quick for the Bears, Josh Blackwell did not participate. Dylan Cole fully participated. Kyler Gordon uh, got put on injured reserve. So that's obviously a big advantage for the Bucs at wide receiver against the Bears DBs. And uh, Mercedes Lewis did not participate. It was just a rest day for him. But Bailey, for Carlton Davis, how much of a concern is the Bucks defense having to play without him early in this season, if that's um, the case? I'd say it's pretty concerning. I think, you know, and this is probably famous last words. So It'll come back to bite me. But if there's a game, <laughs> if there's a game where you can maybe afford that, it might be the Bears game. Um, and you do, you do hope that it's not something that's going to be a lingering issue for Carlton. But you also kind of understand that this kind of comes with the territory with him. I mean, there's going to be a game or two each year, it seems like, that he's either going to miss or that he's banged up for. Um, and then that's when you have to, to maybe have a little bit of concern about the depth. I know Zion McCollum made some strides in the preseason, but there's there's still questions about him. Dee Delaney, I think, has, has been somebody who has always been a kind of a plug-and-play replacement. Um, so we'll see if, if he gets out on the field, if Carlton can't go. But – yeah, I mean, you kind of hope that he's back, and if he's not, you at least hopefully hopefully have him ready by week three. Yeah, D. Delaney's kind of getting pulled in every direction, right? Because if Izian has – I mean, if he, if he's not able to go for whatever reason, then D. Delaney most likely is, the, um, is going to be the nickel slot corner. But if uh, Izian can go, then do you decide to go with D. Delaney at corner, which he did play – you know, during training camp, would you put D Delaney at that outside corner? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. At least I think that's why part of the reason Todd Bowles loves having the versatility that he does in his DBs. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see how it works out on Friday, and, and if Carlton can kind of at least get back to a limited capacity of practice, and then maybe be something of a questionable or game time decision for Sunday. All right, Bailey, I know you got to go soon. So before we have Jacob on the show, uh, why don't you give us a prediction? Or maybe you don't have to give a final score because we will have our pewter previews and predictions yeah. uh, out tomorrow. But how do you see this game going? Is there anything in particular that you're looking at for Bucks versus Bears? Maybe a specific matchup or anything that uh, you know comes across your mind? Yeah, I do think I think the Bucks win this game. I think they get to two and zero, which will be the third straight year they've done that. And yeah. uh, something I, something I wrote about in my pewter preview that was up on the site today uh, was just kind of how they can handle Justin Fields as a runner because if they can limit what he does with his legs, if they can maybe spy him with Devin White or figure something out pressure wise to kind of get to him before he can improvise, they're going to really put set themselves up for success because then you're thinking about forcing turnovers, you're thinking about you know, tackles for loss, negative yardage, and putting your offense in good positions to win. So I think obviously the key from that standpoint is stopping Justin Fields and what he does on the run. He ran for over a thousand yards last year. I mean, everybody knows yeah. how dangerous he is as a runner. So if you can kind of limit what he does there, which I mean, obviously the Bucks did in his rookie year. They did it with Jalen Hurts mm -hmm. uh, back in the playoffs two years ago. So they've done it before. And if they can do it again, they'll put themselves in a good spot. And one thing I did want to say too, um, talking about that 2010 Bucks team, I saw Adam came back and said that wasn't offensive pass interference on Winslow. Uh, I agree, <laughs> it was not. It was not, and I'll always be annoyed about that. But you know, it's uh, one of those things we stick to. 
Walt Bailey, uh, definitely appreciate your time. Check out Walt Bailey's work at PeterReport.com. Um, he'll be on some of the Peter Game Day streams as well. So plenty of more to come from Bailey. We're about to bring Jacob on in a second. But first, let's hear a message from our friends at Celsius Energy Drink. That's right. You know we love Celsius, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. There's so many awesome flavors to choose from, including the Oasis Vibe and their newest flavor, the Cosmic Vibe. You can also do the Cucumber Lemon Lime, Strawberry Lemonade. The Arctic Vibe is my personal favorite, and the vibes are always high on this show. No sugar, no post-energy drink uh, crash or jitters with uh, some other products out there. If you need to know where to find one, go to the Celsius store locator, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you can find one at your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, health and fitness store, or your bodega, as Scott Reynolds loves when I say. And, of course, if you want to start getting them in bulk, get that variety pack. It's variety is the spice of life. You can have it uh, – sorry, you go to Amazon, and you can have it sent to your uh, residence every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Make Celsius your number one pick. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about Bucks versus Bears, kind of learn the ins and outs of the Chicago Bears. Joining the show right now is Jacob. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, Infante. He is a – all right, I got it right. He's nodding yes. He, he is a uh, Bears writer for uh, Windy City Gridiron of SB Nation. Jacob, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing this afternoon? Hey, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm doing this for my phone, so I really don't like the like the vertical. But so bear with me there. But yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I, I dig the Celsius sponsor. Honestly, I drink one almost every day. So I'm trying Love to. It. Hey, Celsius, if you're out there, uh, yeah, in my line too. But uh, yeah, no, appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really like the the work that you put out there on on social media and. And on your website, uh, why don't you tell everybody that may not be familiar with you, um, your your social account, where they can find your work and uh, anything else? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at or X or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, whatever now. it is now. At, yeah, <laughs> I never know what to say, but it's uh, J- at Jacob Infante 24. It's just my name and then two four at the end. Uh, I've been writing for Windy City Gridiron, like you mentioned, uh, the Bears page with SB Nation since – uh, 2017, I'm their lead draft analyst there. So, uh, I do a lot of the day, the day after recaps for games. So, you know, this past week wasn't all that fun, but, uh, most of the time it's a good time. Uh, and I spearhead the draft coverage over there. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. That's where you guys can find me. And, you know, that's, that's where I dedicate a lot of my, uh, a lot of my free time, unfortunately, to this, uh, to the (laughs) Chicago bears team. Understood. Make sure you uh, follow him and on all of his social media and check out his work. Before we talk about Bucks versus Bears, let's talk a little bit about the Bears' first game against the Packers. And Jacob, <laughs> you can go in a number of different directions with this, whether it's the Bears' defense or some of the reads that Justin Fields didn't make 
But in your opinion, what went wrong for the Bears against the Green Bay Packers? You know, I want to say everything. I think that sounds like <laughs> cheating a little bit. But I'm going to narrow it down to the coaching staff. I think that on both sides of the ball, uh, offensive play calling, defensive play calling, just extremely, extremely vanilla, which I was disappointed with. I think that offensive coordinator Luke Getze didn't do the best job of playing to field strengths. Uh, I mean, I don't think it was field's best game by any means anyway, uh, but I don't think it helped that uh, the play calling wasn't all that great. It was pretty predictable, uh, pretty heavy on screens, pretty heavy on flats. Uh, didn't really utilize that moving pocket or field's ability to run with the ball or to throw on the run. Uh, I was a little disappointed in seeing that. The interior offensive line didn't do all that great either, so that created a lot of interior pressure for the Packers to penetrate the backfield. Defensively, it was I, – I'm just confused – I'm just confused, honestly, with the strategy that they've taken because the Bears, especially at cornerback, they've drafted lengthy, big, physical press man coverage guys, and they're asking them to play soft, shallow zones, and they're asking <laughs> them to play off man. You're getting rid of the strengths of that secondary, and you're asking them to be explosive in short areas, which is the weakness for Jalen Johnson. It's the weakness for Tyreek Stevenson coming out of Miami. Uh, and it's just that in itself is confusing. The pass rush couldn't get the job done. So I mean, there were flashes. Like, I don't want to yeah. say, you know, it wasn't like the Giants bad where it was 40 to nothing getting blown out. Like the offense showed some, uh, competency at, in some drives, but down the stretch it fell apart, and the defense was just bad all around. So, not not the season opener many Bears fans wanted or even expected. So, uh, just a matter of going into week two, trying to figure out what went wrong and how to yeah. take those next steps to really uh, to really adjust going forward. I'm only laughing a little bit when you mentioned how. They drafted a specific type of defensive back and then asked them to do something completely different because it reminds me, and granted this was years ago, but a lot of people remember, Bucks fans obviously will, when they traded for Darrell Revis, yeah. arguably the greatest cover corner in the league, and then the Bucks just played zone. And it's like, well, why do you have Darrell Revis if you just want him <laughs> to play zone? So that caught my attention. I'm sure it hurt a lot of Bucks, uh, sorry, Bears fans too considering Aaron Rodgers finally out of the division. You went from Favre to Rodgers. Now you got a chance to beat the Packers, and now Jordan Love kind of looks like the next big guy. But let's talk about the Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, even before the week one game and kind of looking at this game against Tampa Bay. There's been so much dis discussion with, is Justin Fields the guy for the Bears? Should they have used their uh, you know number one pick on a quarterback before they traded it? I kind of feel like with Justin Fields, he has all of the talent. He's obviously wildly athletic. Um, I, I have no issue with his arm strength or anything like that. But Bruce Arians once said that for quarterbacks, it's 90% from the neck up. It's all mental. It's all the reads. Uh, what have you seen from Justin Fields, and what's your opinion of him? So heading into last week, I – I was what you describe as a field's truther because okay. you, see, you see the athleticism on tape. He's, you know, one of, if not the fastest quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, and that creativity, that agility, that strength, you know, gives him such rare value as a ball carrier. In addition to that, yeah. you're looking at 
his arm talent, his ability to throw the ball down the field, but it's the easy stuff that he's struggling with, which I don't want to say it's easy because playing the quarterback in the NFL is definitely not easy. Right. But the ability to, you know, make those full field reads consistently, the ability to maneuver in the pocket, he's athletic, he can scramble out of it, but to climb the pocket, the ability to evade pressure and to sense pressure and know what kind of movements to make, still a work in progress there. Uh, Decision-making, not all the way there. His ability to anticipate receivers open hasn't been as good as it was in college, especially when you're looking at the Bears' offensive line. They've kind of forced him to rush uh, or to speed up that decision-making process, and to this point, he hasn't really been there. Uh, When you're looking at last Sunday against Green Bay, I mean, it wasn't his worst game by any means, but he also didn't improve, which was a little bit worrisome because it's year three now. This is the year that he's supposed to take that next step. They've added DJ Moore. They traded for Chase Claypool, which in theory was supposed to do something, but it turns out he's just as useless as whoever they had last year. Uh, They added some offensive linemen. They drafted Darnell Wright in the first round. Yeah, Uh, I love Darnell Wright, by the way. Not to cut you off, but I love Darnell Wright. I wanted the Bucs to get to get him, but they obviously went in a different direction. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a big fan of Darnell Wright, too. I think his rookie, his uh, rookie debut, he looked pretty solid. Obviously, some ups and downs, but more often than not, I I think he was the best offensive lineman in terms of performance on the team in week one. So, uh, but whatever the case, uh, they've added all this around him, and you can point to so many things around fields going wrong and to that extent I feel like he's really been dealt a bad hand but you do what you can with the cards you're dealt yeah and I don't think that fields took that next step at least in week one I think there's a chance that that changes uh but I do think that I mean and obviously playing the Packers I think few added fuel to the fire uh to the point where you're getting blown out by your rival your opinions are going to be accelerated. I'm not going to sit here and say that mine weren't given the circumstances, but it's, it's not wait and see time anymore for Justin. It's all right. What can you do? And the first two years I've been in wait and see mode because the flashes have been incredible, but the down to down consistency is just not there yet. So hoping from the bears perspective that he's able to turn it around, but uh, he didn't do that in week one. Yeah, all valid points. I appreciate the uh, the insight on Justin Fields because it's probably one of the biggest topics for uh, you know the Chicago Bears. Obviously, Baker Mayfield is a huge topic for uh, yeah. the Buccaneers. I got a couple more questions questions for you, excuse me, but uh, also got a super chat. And if you super chat us, we make sure we get to your question. Adam Hamilton, thank you again for another 1999 super chat. He says, "Who do y'all see as the most important player for a Bucks win?" I don't see Fields being able to dice us up throwing. But in my opinion, Devin, talking about Devin White, with his speed, being able to contain fields will be huge. Offense should be okay. Thoughts? So I'll actually start with the Bucs offense, and then I'll get to the Bucs defense. For me, and it's going to sound a little bit cliche, but with the the talent, the skill that the Bucs have, the big question last week, and I still think this week, is the offensive line for the Bucs. And they passed the test last week. They only allowed one sack, and Baker Mayfield even admitted that sack was on him. He had to get rid of the ball quicker. He should have ran when he didn't. There's only one holding penalty. 
So in a game where the Bucs are favored, they're actually favored by three points if you're a gambler like myself, the, I, I, I try to look for like what the biggest downfall would be, how this team could actually kind of collapse from underneath. And I think it all starts with the offensive line. Because if I'm, if I'm the Bears, I'm putting Yannick Ngakwe against Luke Gedeke. I'm not even trying to put him against Tristan Wirfs, who even though he's on the left side now, still almost impossible to, um, to get by him. And I think especially with the injury um, in the secondary for the Bears, Mike and Chris can have kind of a, another field day, not that they really had a field day. Um, in week one. So I really look at that offensive line defensively. I think Devin white's going to be that type of spy uh, against Justin Fields. Obviously the goal is going to be to keep him in uh, the pocket, but in terms of just who could be the difference for how the bucks win Carlton Davis, whether or not he's healthy, because as you said, a lot of the screens that the bears were throwing, and we'll see if that they get away from that, that requires a lot of open field tackling and the bucks struggled with that last season. They did better in the first week. Uh, Christian Izzian had a great tackle in the open field. Uh, so did Antoine Winfield Jr. But Zion McCollum, the biggest issue with him last season, and if he has to play, if Carlton doesn't, the biggest issue with Zion McCollum was his open field tackling. And I think the Bears might try to exploit that. So, Jacob, I'll ask you, if the Bears were to win this game, how do you think they go about it attacking the Bucs? So, I think that a big part of it comes down to look, you're looking in the trenches. I think that's, that played a big role in why the bears lost uh, last week against green Bay, because the interior offensive line didn't do a great job. Uh, both, you know, left tackle Braxton Jones and right tackle Darnell Wright played well, but mm-hmm. Cody white here at left guard, Lucas Patrick at center. What neither of them were very good. Uh, Nate Davis at right guard had some ups and downs. I thought he was, he performed better than his PFF grade showed. Okay. When I went back to watch the tape, but still, you know, so it, there are some rough patches there. And then the pass rush just couldn't get home. Granted, they didn't blitz hardly at all. Uh, and they're relying on that four-man rush, which is still probably one of the worst units in the league. But I do think that if the Bears are going to beat Tampa, then a lot of it's going to have to come with trench play. And I know Tampa's got a really good defensive line. Uh, it's going to be tough for Chicago to stop them. So I think if Tampa wins, it's because they're consistently putting pressure on fields and forcing him to panic and take sacks because he's not great at throwing the ball away. So I- Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I think there's a chance for Tampa to just explode from a sacks perspective. Uh, With all that said, I think that if Chicago is able to utilize 12 personnel a little bit more, put some tight ends in there, utilize some chip blocks, uh, max protect Justin Fields or to something along that extent. Uh, I think that would really help out. And then you're isolating DJ more Then you're isolating yeah. Darnell Mooney and having those guys, giving them the chance to get open, uh, I think could be really beneficial. So I think that's what they should do on offense. Uh, defensively, I will say from my perspective, I'm not entirely 
worried about Tampa's offense just from an outsider's perspective. I sure. I do think though that you know as long as you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know it's it's still a competent offense. Even yeah. though you know you're going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield, you've got those two receivers. You have to do your job. So in that case, it might actually make a little bit more sense to play soft to play zone as opposed to what, you know, when they did yes, uh, last week against Green Bay where Jaden Reed uh, was their, was Green Bay's number one wide receiver. So yeah. I think that realistically, man-to-man, it might be tougher to beat Mike Evans, might be tougher to beat Chris Godwin. But because of that, I think if you do like zone blitzes, I think that would be extremely beneficial. I'd still like to see more man, some more press coverage as opposed to what they showed last week. But I do think with the circumstances, regardless, you're you're, you're going to need to get home. You're going to need to put the pressure on Baker. And if the four-man front can't do it, then you're going to need to, you know, blitz one of your linebackers, blitz a safety or a nickel or something like that. What would you say is, like, the strength of the Bears' defense? Like, their linebackers made a lot of tackles, but it seemed like coverage-wise they struggled a little bit. Would that be kind of like the best way of exploiting uh, Chicago defensively? Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And I think the safeties didn't, you know, the linebackers and safeties, if you were to ask me like a week ago what the strengths of the Bears defense were, I'd say linebackers and safeties, neither group looked fantastic against Green Bay. You know, you're consistently looking at open opportunities across the middle of the field, whether it's deep, whether it's intermediate. Uh, And I think part of that comes down to scheme, but also part of it comes down to executing assignments and, when you have, you know, two new linebackers, you have Edmonds and Ed, uh, Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards both coming into a new defense. It might take some time to adjust, especially considering they didn't play a lot in the preseason. But, yeah. you know, they're both very, like, absurdly talented linebackers who graded very well in coverage last year. So I'm going to chalk, for the time being, I'm going to chalk that up to just week one rust, week one jitters. Uh but I do think that if Tampa's going to exploit this defense, it's going to be along the perimeter with uh, Jalen Johnson and Tyreek mm-hmm. Stevenson going against Evans and Godwin. Uh, the slot could be an area where Tampa Bay wins, uh, especially because Kyler Gordon is their typical nickel. He just got placed on the injured reserve. Yeah. So I think that the slot attacking uh, the passing game, you know, out of the slot across the middle of the field. Uh, I think that could be an area where Tampa shines. We'll get more into Bucks vs. Bears in a second, but first, let's hear a message from Amuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track. So you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. That's right. Amuni Financial has proudly been serving clients across the country since 1980. You don't just have to be in Colorado. You can be in Tampa or Chicago or anywhere else. I'm in New York right now, so there's another example for you. They got uh, advisory services, legacy and retirement planning, insurance services, annuities, sales, and trading. Give them a call, get a free consultation, and see how Immuni Financial can help you. All right, Jacob Infante from Windy City Gridiron, the SB Nation site where he writes. Um, 
One last thing about the defense. No turnovers last week, and uh, the pass rush, outside of Yannick and Gakwe, is there a concern with what that pass rush can do uh, facing against this Bucs offensive line? Sorry. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that you mentioned Ngakwe, he was the only edge rusher who was able to get home and uh, make the sack last week against Green Bay. Uh, and I think, obviously, he's far and away the best defensive lineman the Bears have. You're looking at the rest of the group. I mean, it's guys who belong on an NFL roster, but I don't think it's guys who deserve to, at least from uh, on most teams, that wouldn't get the snap counts that they're getting in Chicago, if that makes sense. Uh, you're looking at, you know, Demarcus Walker wasn't necessarily fantastic, didn't light the world on fire. Rasheem Green didn't do much in the preseason, uh, you know, invisible in week one practically. Uh, and a defensive tackle, it's interesting because you have two young day two guys, two rookies in Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, but they're both in that same kind of mold. They're both lengthy and they're both athletic, but they're both raw. The pad level is not great. They're not great against the run as it stands right now. So I don't think you're going to see a ton of immediate production out of those two guys. They're more long-term plays, whereas you got Justin Jones and Andrew Billings at D tackle Billings. He's a good run stuffer. That's about it. And Justin Jones, I think he's the best defensive tackle they have. He's solid. I think he'd start on a handful of other teams, but be a rotational guy. Most, you know, everywhere else around the league, uh, just a well, he's a well-rounded guy, but he doesn't stand out as great at anything. Hmm. So I think the defensive line, I know Tampa's had some losses along the offensive line over the years, but I do think that this is going to be an easier test compared to what they faced against the Vikings last week. And then for the offensive side of things, as we start to wrap things up a little bit, were you shocked that DJ Moore only had two targets uh, in the game <laughs> against Chicago? And then on top of that, the second part, this running back rotation for the uh, for the Bears, one of my colleagues at Peter Report, Josh Capo, is in love with Roshan Johnson. Do they need to implement him more in the offense? Yeah, so to your first point, I I was stunned that DJ Moore was only targeted twice. I mean, here's a guy that you've not to sound like Chris Collinsworth, but here's a guy that <laughs> you've uh, you he was a major part of that trade back from the first overall pick. Yeah. You had, you know, the ninth overall pick, a future first, a future second, that's the second this past year, and then DJ Moore. DJ Moore being He's the only player in that package. He's the star. He's the wide receiver one. And you're only going to target him twice. I mean, I feel like you've got to have some sort of design touches for a guy who's that talented exactly. for an offense that struggled as much as they have over the last few years. So I don't know what happened. I really don't. I wish I had an answer for it. I think it just comes down to uh, they tried to prioritize him as a decoy, which I think makes no sense. It's just a matter of, you know, overthinking, oh, they think we're going to feed DJ more. How about we feed other guys to throw them off their game? No, you give it to your best guy because yeah. he's your best guy. And as for the running backs, I think Roshan, from an efficiency perspective, from an eye test perspective, was the best running back they had in week one. Uh, he was the only one to have over four yards per carry. Granted, he had exactly four yards per carry, five rushes, 20 yards, but he also had a touchdown. He caught his either five or six passes. He was a you know consistent check down option, which 
you look at Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, neither of those guys are receiving backs. So I think Roshan's going to get a good amount of touches regardless. Uh, but he, in terms of that effort, lat, over the last few years, the Bears have had David Montgomery, who's yeah. maybe not the most explosive, not the best big play threat. But, you know, he got signed to a nice deal in Detroit for a reason. And that's because he's he works hard. He plays with a lot of effort and he's a powerful runner who can consistently churn through tackle attempts to pick up an extra yard or two every single time. And we saw that with Roshan in week one. It's a different style, of course. I think Mm -hmm. Montgomery's shiftier, but Roshan's more explosive in a straight line. But it's a similar aspect where, you know, he's this tough nosed guy who can also, you know, catch the ball pretty well. So I think Roshan should get more touches or at least more snaps than what he had uh, in week one, whether he does, I'm not sure. Cause it's still a good backfield. There's no star running back one, but it's well-rounded guys. And I think all three of them, all, all the guys I mentioned would get, you know, solid reps anywhere else in the league. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious to see exactly what Roshan gets targeted at because I thought he was their best running back on the field uh, against Green Bay. Yeah, he's definitely a, a very exciting running back. And you can kind of get away with that rotation in today's NFL. I mean, a ton yeah. of teams do that. I kind of feel bad a little bit too because obviously Bijan Robinson was the guy in Texas and then he comes to Chicago and yeah. kind of has to deal with that rotation again. Uh, we have a $5 super chat from Les Evans. So thank you very much, Les, who says... Isn't this a must-win game for both teams? Bucks have Eagles next week, and Bears don't want to be winless going into week three. Well, I don't think any team wants to be winless uh, after the first two games. I actually, like, this is a game that the Bucks, I think, in my opinion, should win, but I wouldn't call it a must-win because I think a lot of people predicted the Bucks to lose in week one and win in week two and be one-and-one one going into uh, the game against Philadelphia. So they're kind of playing with house money right now, starting out 1-0. and uh, I'm not too familiar with the Bears' schedule after this week. Do they have some tough opponents coming up? Uh, so a lot of it is, at least coming into the year, it was a lot of those like toss-up opponents. Sure. So I think Denver is, I want to say, week four. I know Denver's relatively soon. Washington's coming up soon. Atlanta's on the schedule. Okay. A lot of those teams where it's like, I don't think they're going to make flip the playoffs. Games, I like to call them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's a it's a coin flip game, and so I think that there are a lot of games that the Bears can still win. Uh, I will say I'm not nearly as confident the Bears win this game as I was, you know, say even a week ago. Especially seeing what Tampa did against Minnesota mm-hmm. and seeing what Chicago failed to do against the Packers. Uh, I think it's one that could go either way, though. I think that. Uh, I look on both both teams. There's you know there's obviously talent on both sides of the ball. There, uh, it's just a matter of there's some pretty glaring gaps for both teams, and it's just a matter of if they're going to be able to overcome those. So, uh, I for the Bears, I think I don't know if I want to say it's a must win, but I feel like I under I know some people think it's going to be a must win. And especially for fans of Justin Fields, for supporters of Justin Fields who back him as the guy, I think he's he's going to need to build upon week one. Because if he puts together a similar performance to what they had last week, uh, then, you know, you might start There will really to, be some noise. <laughs> yeah, there's going to start to be some rumblings. The confidence in, in the city of Chicago isn't going to be all that high. 
Yeah. Oh, man. I bet. <laughs> that would be a really tough one. Um, if you want to make some uh, prop picks on this game coming up on Sunday, make sure you do it at Underdog Fantasy with their Pick'ems. Obviously, such a fun app to use. You pick uh, higher or lower on at least two player stats. So for this one, you do a Bucks player and a Bears player, whether you think Mike Evans is going to have higher his amount of receiving yards or lower. And same with Bears players. And the more picks you make, the more money you can obviously win at Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, and get a first deposit bonus at Underdog Fantasy. I will also have my gambling show, Pewter Picks and Props, coming out tomorrow on Friday, where I'll look at some prop bets to make for Bucks versus Bears and make some picks around the league as well. I was 5-2 and two last week, including my lock of the week, which was Dolphins plus three. I think I have about nine picks this week, including, of course, I look at the Bucks versus Bears uh, game and the over-under and and the spread in that one. And then, of course, on Sunday, we have the Pewter Game Day show where we give our live reactions and analysis to the game as it goes on. We'll have the pregame show at 12 noon, followed by uh, the live in-game reactions and analysis at 1 o'clock. So very excited to do that again. We had a great turnout for the first show. Can't wait to do it again on Sunday. Jacob, real quick, before we sign off, want to just give us a uh, quick prediction for the game. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, you know, this one, I think it's going to be close. I think that, you know, both teams are going to battle. The Bears have something to prove. The Buccaneers, you know, they want to start off 2-0. and Obviously, that's a great start to the year. I, I'm going to say 23-20. to t- uh, And I'm going to say... As much as I hate to say this, I'm going to say Tampa Bay. I'm going to say Tampa Bay. I think the defensive line is going to give Chicago fits up front. Uh, I think Fields improves. I think yeah. he certainly improves. He has a better day. and But I'm not super confident in this coaching staff as it stands right now. So I'd love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I'd love for the Bears to come away with a win in this one. But I'm erring on the side of caution uh, just off what we saw last week. At least there was, uh, you know, a step in the right direction if they were to lose that way, keeping it uh, much closer than their first matchup. Jacob Infante, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the show. One last time, and we appreciate your time. Uh, One last time, just tell everybody where they can follow you on social media and check out your work. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Jake at Jacob Infante 24 on Twitter, X, whatever. Windy City Gridiron uh, is where my Chicago Bears content is. Uh, My NFL draft stuff as well. Uh, you can also check out my Patreon, which is linked in my Twitter bio. I have exclusive draft guides that I put out, exclusive audio clips for my prospect interviews that I have, as well as some small school highlights, taking a look at some of the players outside of the Power Five who mm-hmm. you know I project to be highest ranked for the 2024 NFL draft. So those are where you can find me. Uh, it was a pleasure being on, man. You know, I've known about Pewter Report for a while. So, you know, I appreciate what you guys do and I appreciate you having me. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for the kind words. And yeah, it was great having you on. We'll have to have you on again uh, during the draft season. That's about to do it for us. Just a reminder if you're not already doing so, please follow us on all of our social media. We are at Pewter Report on X, formerly known as Twitter, threads, Facebook, and Instagram at Pewter Report. And our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV, where we have all different types of content, whether it's the podcast, various clips from uh, the practice facility, from 
press conferences and some of our own takes and stuff like that, including Peter Picks and Props, which is coming out tomorrow uh, on Friday at some point. So that's going to do it for us. Remember the Peter Game Day show is coming up on Sunday at 12 and then the live in-game analysis at 1 o'clock. All right, that's going to do it for us. For Bailey Adams, who was on before, for Jacob Infante, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching, and we'll see you on Sunday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Peace out.